0: This is Prevent Defense, the podcast.
1: What's going on, everybody? This is the Prevent Defense podcast. I am Elliot Shore Parks, along with the one and only Brian Baldinger and Baldy. I've watched that Lamar Jackson touchdown run about 50 times since it happened. Easily one of the craziest runs I've seen, so I definitely want to get into some some Lamar Jackson talk. But we got to lead off with the talk of the NFL right now, the Colin Kaepernick workout. On Saturday uh, for those that have been living under a rock and might not know um, Kaepernick through the NFL was offered the ability to have a workout for uh, coaches and scouts and NFL personnel on Saturday the NFL planned it Kaepernick was not involved in the planning uh, at this point Kaepernick does appear that he's going to to attend the workout and work out but he doesn't know who's gonna be there and there's been some back and forth on uh, on on basically how this is gonna go down so Baldy, let me ask you, just off the top, what was your initial reaction when you heard about this?
2: Why now? Why uh, after almost three years of inactivity, are is this being is this being done? Uh, I I thought the timing was bizarre. I thought the way it kind of just got dropped out of nowhere uh, seemed odd. It seemed to catch Colin Kaepernick off guard and all of his people, agent and handlers and whatnot. And everybody's kind of talking about it because they should. But at the same time, you know, it's just a head-scratcher. On every single level, it's a head-scratcher. But I would say this. Before we even get into the meat of what this is all about, I I always kind of was curious why Collins just didn't do this on his own. Why didn't he just throw up a camp and go, look, I really want to play football, guys. I know that there is a, a big part of this population that don't like me, don't like what I stood for, don't like what I did. But I'm a football player, and that's what I do. So I'm going to throw my own camp, and I'm just going to invite anybody that wants to come, and i got some professional receivers, and we're at a football field, and if you want to come and just see where I'm at and what I look like, you're welcome to come. I, I don't just don't know after all this time why Colin just wasn't proactive at some point on his own, because a lot of people would have attended, and it would have been some kind of a media circus, if he just said, hey, we're going to go to the L.A. Coliseum or we're going to go to UCLA or wherever and we're going to throw we're going to throw it down. And I'm going to be there and a bunch of my NFL brothers are going to be there. And come on out. Have a good time. I'm going to throw the football for a couple hours.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, uh, that would have maybe been a good idea for Colin, especially when sometimes there's been some narratives out there that maybe he doesn't actually want to play. Like, he doesn't really care about football just because he has... Uh, you know, obvious off the field interests, which he clearly believes in. And he has every right to do that. And Mm -hmm. it's pretty clear he should be in the league. My thing about him holding this open workout and potentially, you know, like you said, maybe doing one on his own prior to this is just like, why does he have to do this? Like, I I get that it's gotten to the point where maybe he has to, and this is just going to be his path back. But there's players that are far less talented than Colin Kaepernick. And I do think there's some truth to the fact, even though maybe people don't want to hear it, there is some truth to the fact that he hasn't played now for almost three years, or at least two full seasons. So there, you know, like that that is just reality. Like that does impact him and his ability to come back. For whatever you think of whether he should be on an NFL roster, and he clearly should be. But I think at this point, now that it's been so long, that that is just a reality that coming back is going to be more difficult than it was if he would have been in an NFL camp, even if he wasn't playing, but at least, you know, been in an NFL system the last two years. So there is some truth to that. But I also think that if you're Kaepernick, you're sitting here and you're saying, guys like, you know, just terrible quarterback. I mean, look at the Jets quarterback situation behind Sam Darnold. Those guys don't mm-hmm. have to hold open workouts for other people. And I thought one of the fishiest parts of this whole thing was. Albert Breer uh, tweeted this, and I believe I'm interpreting it correctly. But essentially, the NFL is doing this because teams have been contacting the NFL about potentially being interested in Kaepernick. And to me, that's a major red flag. Like that, like has I don't want to use the word collusion lightly, but like, why are teams reaching out to the NFL about bringing in Kaepernick? I mean, like if the Eagles wanted to sign. Brock Osweiler, who I know mm-hmm. retired. Let's say he was still active. If the Eagles wanted to sign Brock Osweiler, they wouldn't reach out to the league. They would just bring him in mm-hmm. for a workout and then sign him. So I thought that was a little suspicious. And although I think Kaepernick should go at the end of the day, I wouldn't blame him for not going because the whole thing to me just, just feels like a charade. And honestly, it feels like something that's going to get tossed back in his face because if he goes to this workout and he plays well or you know looks like he's ready to go, but really, honestly, regardless of how he looks, if he's not signed after this, the NFL can say, look, we put together an event for him, which we don't do for other free agents. We invited teams. He had a chance and teams don't want him. So I almost think he's walking into something where he's kind of being set up to fail at the end of the day.
2: Well, I think there's a lot of players that miss here. For example, like Matt Moore was out of football last year. Nobody called him. Sat at home in Santa Clarita, California, raising his kids. Um and then, and he recalled him, you know, this summer. And he came to the Chiefs. Now, that's after being out a year and basically a, a career backup player. But we're talking about Colin Kaepernick. The last time he played was against the Seattle Seahawks in week 17 of 2016. That is a long time. And nobody, yes. I mean, not, look, I feel like I cover the league as in depth as, as well as anybody. I haven't seen any video of Colin Kaepernick physically, I haven't seen him throwing a football. I mean, I don't know what he looks like. There was all, like you said, like there was all kinds of reports. Does he want to play? What's he look like? I mean, you know, if there was some video out there, it'd be a lot easier to kind of make the declaration to your point. Like, does he need this workout in Atlanta to do this? And I'm with you. I, I mean, some of some part of me says he doesn't, this does isn't done for other people. Why is this being done for him? And why does he need it? They, they, he's got a resume uh, all the way to Super Bowl Sunday, right? So, but right. if you're out of the league this long, Maybe you do need to see it. I just think if you're going to do it, then just do it right. Do it on a Tuesday when you can have real representatives there, coaches, if the coaches want to come. Uh, I doubt head coaches are going to come during the season, but maybe some assistants can come. Um, certainly some scouts, even general managers, can come on a Tuesday. But Saturday is just an impossible thing. I mean, anybody traveling on the road, there's not going to be anybody. I, I just can't see... I mean, I think every team will find a way to be represented. But I just, you're just not going to, a Tuesday in November as the season is heating up for the postseason just seems so bizarre to me. And then if you listen to Colin's side, and I believe everything Colin is saying about this, he doesn't know who he's throwing to. You know, are, are they going to self-appoint wide receivers? That's a big deal. Who's going to conduct the workout? All the particulars of any kind of a pro day. From you know college to workouts, there's a lot of things that go into it. They don't just show up at the field, and none of that seems to even be thought of, which makes you scratch your head even more about the mm-hmm. whole thing. Yeah,
1: I agree. And the other the other tough part is, so I'll use the team that I'm around daily, the Philadelphia Eagles. They don't need a quarterback right now, right? They have Wentz, they have McCown, they have Sudfeld. Like they're one of the few teams in the mm-hmm. league that can probably sit here and say, right now, we feel very comfortable with everybody on our roster. But going forward, McCown and Sudfield are free agents at the end of the year. So, one of the things Howie Roseman always says, and I respect this about him, I think it's one of his best qualities, maybe, is that whenever any player is available, he looks into it. Whether that's Shadavion Clowney, mm-hmm. Jalen Ramsey, you know, if a player is cut, right, they have discussions about it. That's his job. Like, and that's yeah. why the Eagles are tied to so many players and they're viewed as such, you know, risk takers around the league, even though they very rarely make deals. He's viewed as that type of guy because he's always willing to look into players. So, let's like take the Eagles will they be at the Colin Kaepernick thing on Saturday, right? Like, if they're not, that's kind of weird because he says he always looks in every single player. And I think that what it does is it puts an almost unfair expectation on each team where it's like, let's say 30 30 of the teams go. Well, the two that don't go are going to be looked at as like, oh, well, do you not support Colin Kaepernick and what he stands for? Like, are you unwilling to have Kaepernick on your team? So I think that on every level, like – This is not being handled well. And and has nothing to do with Kaepernick. Like, Kaepernick's doing Mm -hmm. the right thing. By all accounts, staying in shape. He should be in the NFL already. That's just a fact. He should have never not been in the NFL. I get his last season with the 49ers wasn't spectacular from a win-loss perspective, but he had pretty good stats. I mean, Mm -hmm. and then also, and we'll talk about him in a little bit, like, there's not a lot of Lamar Jacksons in the world, and we're seeing that each week when he plays. I mean, Colin Kaepernick might be one of the closest people out there just in terms of his skill level. And I think Lamar does some things better than Kaepernick. And as you mentioned, we haven't even seen Kaepernick in any type of competitive environment in two years. So who knows what he's at? Maybe he's improved at things. Maybe he's not the same athlete. There's all those type of things, but Kaepernick should be in the league.
2: The irony to this is the number one offense in football is in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. And it is Greg Roman orchestrating the offense the same coordinator that orchestrated Colin Kaepernick's offense in San Francisco. Now, Lamar Jackson, I think, is further advanced. I think right now the the Baltimore Ravens have a better offense around Lamar Jackson than than Colin had in San Francisco. I'm not here to denigrate anybody in San Francisco, but I think the cast is better around him right now. So it is ironic that his offense that he was running um, and played against Baltimore in his Super Bowl is now the number one offense in football, and the offense has evolved further than when Colin was there. There's They do a lot more now than what he did. So the irony is that the offense can work, and it can flourish. Now, can it win a Super Bowl? We'll find out. Uh, it all remains to be seen. But through 10 weeks of the NFL season, to look up and say that the Ravens have the number one offense in football, it's kind of a tribute that you can win, with a quarterback, uh, you can win a lot of games with a quarterback like Lamar Jackson and Colin Kaepernick. So so you were
1: a former player, obviously. I'm in the locker room almost every day with the Eagles as a reporter, but, you know, it's still similar. It's somewhat similar. I mean, obviously, not the athlete. You certainly are. But uh, as someone that's been in the locker room, like how big of a, of a distraction do you think this Colin Kaepernick thing would be? Because I think we m- we would see it from two different angles, right? As you as a former player might see it one way. Me as a media member, I know if the Eagles or any team I was covering signed Kaepernick, he would be the top story every single day. Every single day. How is he doing in practice? How are the teammates getting along with him? Should he be playing if the quarterback struggles? Like, how is the fans reacting to him? Do you think that plays into teams' decisions to not sign him? And as a player, do you think having Kaepernick come in would be a distraction?
2: It wouldn't be for me. It really wouldn't be for me. I've seen players that have done much worse things than Colin Kaepernick to come back in the locker room. But, I mean, you've been in Philadelphia when Mike Vick got signed. I mean, that wasn't a pleasant thing for a lot of people that were Eagle fans in the city of Philadelphia in the NFL. But he paid his, he paid his price, and mm-hmm. he came back, and I thought the Eagles handled everything really well. And Mike Vick mainstreamed himself in, and there was a flurry for a while, but it died down. died down pretty quickly, as I recall. Um, I remember when you know the, the ticker came across the preseason game, that the Eagles were signing Mike Vick. And I remember that it caught a lot of people. Herm Edwards was doing the Eagles games. I remember it caught a lot of people off guard. But, you know, I remember Mike Vick coming into that Philadelphia locker room, and it was not a big deal. It wasn't a big deal to the players. It was on the outside. There were the protesters, and there was all of that that you would expect. And the same thing will happen with Colin. But I don't think players are going to be bothered by any of it, uh, to be honest Mm -hmm. with you, when he does sign, if he signs. Um, and and it's just up to the team because there will be there will be a circus that will set up in your parking lot and at your facility it will happen uh, it will and, and all those questions will get answered uh, they'll have to put Colin out in front and uh, and answer the questions whatever they might be but he's more than polished to be able to do all of that so I just think though that let's just say let's play it out Saturday let's just say there's interest are they really going anybody that is interested are they signing him for this year is it for next year and if it is for next year now you're almost 4 years removed from playing a football game like it just seems like that's a you know that's a long time it's a long time without yeah. playing now, you know maybe it's like getting back on a bike and maybe he'll be fine i mean I, I just don't doubt my mind that he'll still be better than a third of all the quarterbacks in the league for sure right off the bat um the teams that do carry 3 and if you cut it in thirds Like, I think he's already ahead of those. But, I mean, if it's for next year, do you want to have to – it's almost better to do it now, get it all over with, and then by the time you get to the offseason, you can just go play football and not have to worry about it. So the only
1: difference I'd say uh, in between Vic – and you can't really compare apples to apples. I I, I think it's a good comparison, but the only difference I would say is, like, Kaepernick is at a level that – I mean, I'm 32 years old. I've been following professional sports my whole life, as far as I can remember. I've been covering the league for about eight years. Like, has there been another athlete in my lifetime, like the past, like, 20 years or so, when I really was paying attention, that has been at the level of Kaepernick, like, just in terms of a cultural icon? Like, I'm sure I'm forgetting a lot of them. But, like, Kaepernick at this point, like, transcends sports. Like, every single person... Like almost every single person out there has some type of opinion about him, whether you follow the NFL or not. You know he is. You know what he did. Like Michael Vick was certainly a big name, and clearly what he did caused controversy because you know obviously people out there love dogs. Like so I I get that. But I think the Kaepernick thing would be at a level, it would just be mu- it would be much bigger. But I but I agree with you. He's better than two third uh, a third of the quarterbacks on rosters right now. He's probably you know one of the top 40 quarterbacks still probably in the league. I mean top 40, top 50, something like that and simply just cuz he hasn't played so long. I mean there there's a chance that he could be signed and we're sitting here and saying he's top 20. Like he has that type of talent, but we will see what happens cuz so he'll work out on Saturday presumably. I agree with you. If you're a team that wants him, sign him now. Deal with deal with the what's going to be a very long type distraction. Fair not to Colin, it's going to be a distraction. Um and You know, get to your offseason and then have him next year on your roster. So if a team's interested, I think they should sign him now. And I actually, for the first time in a long time, think maybe there's a chance it happens. Like, I think there's like a 30 to 35 percent chance he's on a roster when we're we're recording a podcast in uh, two weeks. But one quarterback that is definitely clearly on a roster right now and is probably the best quarterback in the league or at least in the top three Lamar Jackson last time we talked uh we had t- we were talking about his big win over the Patriots he goes out and he absolutely embarrasses the Cincinnati Bengals I mean that run that he had with the with the spin move and making Defenders run into each other it was really it was a close thing I've I think I've seen since Vic had that epic run against the Minnesota Vikings like it was it was unreal so I ha- I want to talk a little Vic versus Lamar Jackson but first let me ask you just I mean how good was he against the Cincinnati Bengals
2: well, I mean, for the second time in 10 weeks, he had a perfect quarterback rating. It's only happened one other time in the history of the NFL. So perfect quarterback rating against the Miami Dolphins week one, perfect quarterback rating week 10 against the Cincinnati Bengals. And there wasn't anything he couldn't do. In fact, the uh, the frustrating part for probably anybody who watched, and certainly the Cincinnati Bengals who had a front row seat, is how easy he made it look. Like, like Even on the touchdown run, like I was mean, just sort of, having a parody and having fun. I mean, it looked like he was going to win the Heisman. You know, that's the kind of run that you win the Heisman on. And it was. It was like he was back, you know, winning the Heisman at Louisville that year when he was just the best player in college football every single week. And you couldn't wait to see the highlights on Saturday night of what he did for Louisville at that time. And now he's doing it against NFL players. And it's on a regular basis. And I don't believe that there is a defense right now that can actually contain his talent. Now, he may have an off game. That can happen uh, to anybody. He may have an off game, bad weather, great, great defensive performance, whatever. Guys around him aren't very good. It can happen. But I don't expect it to happen with any regularity or ever two weeks in a row. I mean, he's poised. Nothing bothers him. He's having more fun than anybody else out there on the field. And, you know, in a city in Baltimore where they've had a hard time drawing a crowd, this will be the best game with Deshaun Watson coming to town, with the most star power, and probably the most anticipated home game in Baltimore, since probably their Super Bowl run, maybe before that, maybe their mm-hmm. first Super Bowl run. I mean, it's going to be, um, it's going to be must see TV between those two players. But I, 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 there is no comp for Lamar Jackson right now in the way that he plays, the offense he plays in, and really the perfection and the mastery that he shows right now.
1: So I have these numbers from our, our trustee producer, and I think they're I think they're interesting. I don't know if it like shows that he's just kind of beat up on bad teams or not, but I just think it's interesting. So you mentioned the Miami and Cincinnati game where they had he had a, a perfect quarterback record in both games. So those teams are a combined two and sixteen. And in those two games, he had eight touchdowns, zero interceptions, and 158.3 quarterback rating. And the other seven games he's played, and again, one of those was against the Patriots, and they played some quality teams. Seven touchdowns, five interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 83.7. So roughly about half of what he did against the, the Miami, Miami and Cincinnati. So my question to you would be, and I don't think I fall, I don't think I fall on the uh, on the side of the fence of he just is beating up a bad team because I do think Lamar has played at a very high level almost each week. I just think that it's tougher sometimes to put up big numbers against good teams, obviously. But what do you make of those stats about the fact that his quarterback rating is basically half as good when he's not playing? Miami and
2: Cincinnati? Well, he's a lot better right now than he was week one against Miami. He's a better player. He's improved. If you look at him against Pittsburgh, which everybody would say, and well, you could watch him on Thursday night football against Cleveland. I mean, is a very good defense and their second league in takeaways and sacks, the whole thing. They're very good. He would, he beat them in overtime, uh, or he beat them. Uh, when you look at, uh, what, uh, what he's, yeah, he beat them in overtime. When you look at what he did going to Seattle in the rain, he was the best player on the field in the rain yep. in Seattle. And we all, all we all recognize what kind of team Seattle is after knocking off the 49ers. He was the best player on the field against the undefeated Patriots, and we saw uh, what the Patriots had been. Uh, you know, and then last week against Cincinnati, so you can skewer the stats and take out Miami and Cincinnati, and and you can uh, grade it on a curve. But you could also say he just keeps getting better. And the mistakes he made earlier in the season, he he isn't making now. And they have so many – their offense is so much more diversified now than it was. And I think it's just going to only get better. I mean, they have the best combination of tight ends in the league. When you look at Mark Andrews, who leads them in receptions, number one in the league on third downs. When you add in Hayden Hurst, the number one pick last year. When you add in Nick Boyle – They've got 83 catches for almost a thousand yards. I mean, they're a tight end based offense, and they just get win matchups. And they weren't quite like that week one or week two, but it's becoming an increasingly big problem for all teams to deal with.
1: Yeah, and I think probably the most important stat for Lamar Jackson: 13 and three so far in his first 16 games. And like when you look at other young quarterbacks that have that type of extreme win win loss ratio, obviously Jimmy Garoppolo comes to mind, but Lamar, I personally think, just has way more to do with those wins than Jimmy does. Now, Jimmy early on when he came to San Francisco, certainly turned things around. But this year, when you look at them at eight and one, I mean that defensive line is ridiculous. Kyle Shanahan's an insanely good head coach. And the Ravens have a really good roster around Lamar as well. Don't get me wrong. But I just think when you talk about, like, you know, at Seattle, how he played, right? Like that to me is like a prototypical Lamar Jackson game just because, and I thought I thought that the uh, clip that circulated this week, of Harbaugh talking to Jackson on the bench really summed things up, right? Like, those players really, really respect Lamar Jackson. They rally around him. And I think part of it has to do with kind of the unfair criticism he faced coming out of the draft, right? I mean, asking to take reps at wide receiver. I really think that his teammates love when he succeeds. And having been around Michael Vick when he was in Philadelphia – it reminds me of that. I'm not in the Ravens locker room so I don't know if it's it's completely comparable, but the players in the Eagles locker room loved Michael Vick. Like they they grew up watching him. They they were at, in awe of his talent. And as a former player, I'm sure you know this and it's something I've learned from being around players for the past 8 years. Like players know who's good. Like they can tell right off the bat if a guy is a good player or not. I remember when Danny Watkins was here in Philadelphia. And for those not listening that aren't diehard Eagles fans, he was an offensive guard drafted, I think 22nd overall, just a complete bust. He liked to fight fires in his free time. Like no lie. He would dress up as a fireman and go and fight fires. Like, and players could tell like this guy is not a football player. I think with Michael Vick, you could tell right away because players said this guy's really good. And that highlight or the the clip of Harbaugh talking to Jackson, when he talked about how much his teammates respect him, like, That stuff really matters. Like I think as a quarterback, you have to have the support of the locker room to win. You just have to, and it's pretty clear Lamar
2: has that. Well, he has it. Um, And and there's you know as an athlete, we most of us are kind of muggles. You know we're just guys without a lot of talent. We're just muggles. That's who we are. Um, But every team has a couple of guys, and some teams are fortunate to have a guy that just is superior. Physically and athletically, and sometimes, like the the run, the touchdown run that you speak of for 47 yards. I mean, that's a highlight run. You, you know, if if he is the NFL MVP, they'll show that at NFL Honors on Saturday night before the Super Bowl in Miami this year, and that will be the play that everybody will watch again and again, like you have all week long. But you know, sometimes in practice you see things that are even better than that because it's just practice and you're just freewheeling and you're not yep. you know you're not encumbered by the play or the design you're just out there playing sometimes you see the talent in practice at an even higher level so that that's something to consider the one thing so you you'd the stats and okay you take out these two games this is what's the thing that impresses me as much as anything about him is he's touched the ball over 550 times this year he's he hasn't fumbled yet like wow. you look at these quarterbacks they can't hold on to the football i mean i don't care if it's one fumble like, he hasn't fumbled once. And here's a guy that's running for 700 yards. So the ball's in his hands. He's getting hit. He's getting chased. He hasn't fumbled one time in 550. He's got the five interceptions. He's run for six touchdowns. He's thrown for 15. He's got 21 touchdowns, five interceptions, no fumbles. Like, that stat, to me, is amazing. Now, you know, I hope I don't jinx him, but just that ball security is An amazing stat. I don't care what quarterback you are, in what era you played in, to not fumble after touching it for 550 times when you're the focal point of every team's defense is an amazing statistic.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is. Daniel Jones would kill for those type of numbers with how much he's putting it on the ground. Uh, just wanted to throw these by you. This is uh, Lamar Jackson's first full season versus Michael Vick's first full season. And I'm projecting Jackson's numbers going forward because he hasn't played 16 games yet this year, but I'm just projecting them. So around 3,600 passing yards, 27 touchdowns, nine interceptions, and a whopping 1,200 yards rushing. I'd be pretty surprised if he reached that, but he's on, well, that's what he's on pace for now. Vick's first full season, 2,900 passing yards, 16 touchdowns, eight interceptions, 777 yards rushing. So not as many rushing yards. In fact, Lamar Jackson's, I think, almost basically already at 770 yards. Uh, In a different game back then, too, it was tougher to pass the ball. But I really do think it, and I think Michael Vick's a Hall of Fame player. Like, I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I think he was a Hall of Fame talent. I don't care about his numbers, honestly. I think you can't tell the story of the league without talking about Michael Vick. And I think those are the players you put in the Hall of Fame. Like, I would put him in the Hall of Fame over a guy like Matt Ryan, who just has been really good for a long time, but I don't think has been special enough to make the Hall of Fame. I think Michael Vick was a special player. And I think Lamar Jackson has the potential to be what Michael Vick could have been if he had a really good coach around him the whole time, if he didn't have the -the off-the-field issues that he did. And I think that... Lamar Jackson, to me at least, seems like he's better prepared to have a really long, successful, and special NFL career than Vic was.
2: Well, the one thing that everybody is going to throw the caveat at you with that is, can he stay healthy? Because that's really the only thing that remains – that's the only question that remains about Lamar Jackson. Can you play this style of football? And I've given up trying to say you've got to protect yourself, you've got to slide – you can't take this. In. I mean, I'm, I'm done with all that because I said it last year in his seven starts. I said it in training camp this year. I said it in the beginning of the season. I stopped saying it because he's going to play his style, and we've seen that it isn't going to change. Now, we have never seen a quarterback. I remember the day um, in Washington at, at uh, FedEx Field when literally Alodi Nada broke Robert Griffin III in the third and half, and he was yep. never the same. And he was on his way to winning the MVP – not the MVP, but he was on the way to winning the Rookie of the Year, and rightfully so, in 2012. But, and then from that time on, he was never the same. So that's the only caveat is, okay, 16 starts, a playoff start, um, and everybody's just saying it's, it's, you know, the, it's a ticking clock. It's just a matter of not if, it's when. And so that's the only remaining thing. If he goes through this whole season – and he lines up and plays 16 games in the postseason, then a lot of that talk will go away until something happens.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, I'm, I mean, of all the players that I love to watch each Sunday, Lamar Jackson's probably number one right now. So I'm very pumped to see how the rest of this season goes for him. Let's move on to uh, another topic, one that Cowboys fans are not going to be pumped to talk about. That's Jason Garrett. I was watching that game against the Vikings on uh, It was Sunday night. Dak Prescott's playing maybe the best game of his career. I mean, it was in a loss, so it's hard to call it the best game of his career. But he was certainly wheeling and dealing. I mean, he was playing against a really good defense. The receivers made some ridiculous catches. He's driving down the field. It looks like they're going to go for the win. And again, Jason Garrett cost them a game. I mean, the two straight runs to Ezekiel Elliott, I thought, were borderline criminal. Like, those were ridiculously bad play calls. He got extremely conservative for no reason. I mean, maybe you're trying to kill some clock, but... Go in and get the touchdown. Keep the ball in Dak's hand. And then on fourth down, I mean, you put it in Dak's hand, and I, I, I didn't see Jason talk about maybe where the first read on that was, but to throw what I could consider a low-percentage pass into a tight window to Ezekiel Elliott along the sidelines, I thought was an extremely bad play call too. When I watch the Cowboys play, I think they have one of the best rosters in the NFL. Like, maybe not top five, but pretty close. I mean, they have young talent all over the field, elite talent all over the field. They're 5-4 and four in fighting for a playoff spot because Jason Garrett, Jason Garrett continually hurts them as a head coach. What was your thoughts on their loss to the Vikings? And do you agree with me that Jason Garrett is holding this team back?
2: No. I mean, he, he put Kellen Moore in to call the plays. It's his offense. Now, Jason can override anything. He listens to every play call. We hired Kellen Moore to be the offensive coordinator, so he's got to let him call the game. I had no problem on second and two at the 11-yard line giving the ball to Ezekiel Elliott. But Ezekiel Elliott right now is not what they paid him to be. That's my question. I'm not here to trash Ezekiel Elliott. Um, Jerry Jones paid him to be the difference maker uh, and to be the focal point of an offense that is Super Bowl ready. Except he's not that guy. He's got one explosive run this year. Nick Chubb has eight. eight, Dalvin Cook has seven. Leonard Fournette has seven. I'm talking about runs of 20 yards or more. You don't get Mm -hmm. that. Now, on short yards, he got stuffed against the Jets. This year on third and one was a big call in the game and we a disappointing loss to the Jets. Uh, he got stuffed on fourth and one against the Rams in a playoff game last year in a one-score game. They gave it to him on second and two because they think that he's that guy. And I don't have any problem with giving it to him on second and two. And if you think he's that guy, if you want to give it to him on third and two, you definitely can't lose three yards. And if you yep. get to fourth and five, you definitely can't say, I'm going to take Zeke against Eric Hendricks in a matchup, when really Michael Hughes struggled all game long against Amari Cooper and everybody else out there. So I thought the ending was bizarre. It didn't make a lot of sense. It didn't look like with Cobb and Cooper and the guys that they have there, uh, or Jason Witten, I thought there was a lot of better opportunities because you could still get a first down. You don't have to score a touchdown. You got plenty of time. I I thought Dak was fantastic all game long. Uh, he was you- – I thought – Dak was Dak. I mean, he's an incredibly poised kid. He loves to play. He looks very well prepared. He made great throws and great decisions all the way to the 11. I thought, look, second and two, you just throw the ball to Omari for eight yards, put the ball in Zeke's hand, and let him go do what he's paid to do. And he can't do it right now. I mean, he's not, I mean, I know he can do it. But in a big spot, he has not been able to do it.
1: Do you think the Cowboys are legitimate contenders in the NFC?
2: No, not right now. No, the, not but the way they can finish But don't you think they should games. be?
1: I mean, look. But don't you think they should be? Like, look, look at that roster. Like, they have one of the, Dak has been arguably a top five quarterback this this year. I mean, at least top ten. Like, they have the pieces. And I agree with you, Ezekiel Elliott's not been great, but he's still one of the better running backs. I mean, he actually he's been pretty pedestrian this year. But well, I mean, don't you think that they they should be?
2: Well, you know, look, I saw the Cowboys come back and take the lead at twenty one twenty, and then I saw Alexander Madison and Dalvin Cook run the ball right down their throats. Like, literally, at one point in that drive, they ran it 10 straight plays in a row, and the Cowboys were helpless to stop them. Now, that's not a championship defense. Same thing happened in the Rams' loss last year in the playoffs. I mean, they ran the ball right down their throats. So, I don't think that that's where championship teams can be vulnerable in in this day and age. Not when you're trying to win championships. You've got to be much better than that. You go out there and get... Michael Bennett to rush the quarterback, and you can pay Demarcus Lawrence and Robert Quinn to rush the quarterback, and they're good at that. But somebody's got to be able to stop it, and I haven't seen it from Jalen Smith or Leighton Vander Esch or, you know, Sean Lee, the guys inside. I, I saw the rookie Madison rip them apart. Dalvin Cook certainly ripped him apart. They couldn't stop a, a screen game all game long to Dalvin. I might just see weaknesses in the defense.
1: So one team that is starting to creep their way into the conversation of legitimate-type contenders in the AFC, maybe not to make the Super Bowl yet, but a team that we never thought would be here, and I think is kind of the polar opposite of the Jason Garrett situation. Because I think Garrett, and I know Kellen Moore is calling the plays, but it seems like sometimes Garrett creeps in there, and you see some of his tendencies. But I think one coach that might be coach of the year— at least is very least on the short list. Mike Tomlin out there in Pittsburgh, the Steelers, five and four now. They're second in the AFC North. It's funny they're gonna play on Thursday night against the Cleveland Browns. If I would have told you at the beginning of the season, Big uh, Roethlisberger was gonna be out for the year and they would enter the matchup with the Browns at five and four, and the Browns at I think they're three and six now. Like you wouldn't believe me. So it, it's ridiculous that it's gotten to this, but. How, how are the Steelers winning? Like, is it just Minka Fitzpatrick has been that good? Is it Mike Tomlin? Is Mason Rudolph better than we thought? Like, when you watch the Steelers, how have they been able to, to pull
2: this off, basically? Well, okay. It's a good question. Because uh, it's a completely different roster than any Steelers roster that you can recall. Their third-round pick from Toledo, Deontay Johnson, to me, is their best wide receiver. James Washington had a slow start as a rookie last year, but he is coming on. They've got a young second-year right tackle. They've got a new left guard. They have running backs been called up from the practice squad like Trey Edmonds. On defense, what they did to the Rams was actually, I thought, revolutionary in where this league is going, uh, uh, Elliot. Uh, On third down, the Rams were one for 14 on third down that game Sunday. And the Steelers took all their linebackers off the field. They played seven defensive backs. Um, Mark Barron, in uh, a variety, you know, whether it's Minka Fitzpatrick or um, you know any other number of safeties they have, played linebacker if they need one. But they basically voided the middle of the field because they didn't think Jared Goff is a threat to run, and he's not a threat to run. He's run for 18 yards this year. So he's not a threat. So they, they voided the middle, and they basically doubled Cooper Cup everywhere he went and all the receivers. And then they got after Jared Goff with a really good four-man rush led by T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree and Cam Hayward. And they collapsed the pocket and got the ball out of his hands, had the big play by Mickey Fitzpatrick for a return for a touchdown. And they shut down the Rams. I mean, the Rams' defense outscored their offense in that game 8-4. to uh, You know, they got a defensive touchdown, they got a safety. So, by Aaron Donald, who was still the league's best player in that game. So, it is Mike Tomlin's best job. And, you know, 13 years now, I don't care what profession you're in, Elliot, when you go 13 years and you never have a losing season, I mean, just think about that. 13 years, you never have a losing season. Any sport, any business, you never have a losing, you never have a losing uh, sheet. You know, a, a financial sheet in any business, sport, he's never had a losing season. And you're you're breaking in, and we all know in football the hardest thing to do is to develop a young quarterback who isn't named Peyton Manning, that and try to win games. And they are. They're doing that. I mean, Mason Rudolph so, has limitations. It, and and well, that, they're, that, they're just, winning games.
1: Yeah, that's what I was just about to ask you. So there's two types of teams in this league. Teams that have quarterbacks and teams that are looking for them. And I don't know where the, the uh, Steelers stand right now. I think that when Big Ben went down and you assumed that they were going to be, you know, like a 4-12 and team, you say, okay, they're going to be potentially drafting a quarterback next year. Now, not only are they 5-4, and and maybe now they're not even going to be drafting in the top, you know, twelve or whatever. But Mason Rudolph comes in. He's four and two. He's and he's had pretty good numbers. I think uh, I had him just over right here a second ago. But uh, eleven touchdowns to four interceptions. Quarterback rating of ninety three. Thirteen hundred yards in six games. Like, what if is, can can Mason Rudolph be their guy of the future? Or do you think this is a team that you know still should entertain the idea of taking one of these quarterback prospects next year?
2: Well, I'm I'm a big Mason Rudolph fan. I did a lot of his games in college. Um, you know, he started almost like 38 games or something like that in college. Uh, He had a lot of experience coming in. I mean, Ben was obviously threatened by him, didn't want to talk to him or deal with him when they drafted him in the third round. Um, But he's come in there and just quietly, you know, um, done his job and taken taken the reins on a team that has lost every running back they've lined up this year. Um, The offense line has not run blocked very well. They've been out without their fullback, except for one game in Roosevelt next. They've been playing... Short-handed all year and you know they they really don't have a number one wide receiver although Deontay Johnson looks to me like the next Antonio Brown now I'm not going to make that comparison because I saw what Antonio did for five years in a row there but he is pretty special he um has he easily separates from any man coverage and he's good after the catch so I think you're going to see him Thursday night against Cleveland I think he's going to play pretty well he's from Toledo so uh, he's going back home. I, th- I think he's looking to put up, you know, a nice day. But anyways, are the Steelers in the market for a quarterback? I think you got to wait and see how this thing plays out. I mean, if they get into the playoff hunt and get to a playoff with Mason Rudolph, I think they're set. You might go in the secondary market for a backup at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oh, may- who knows? Maybe Ben comes back. He's under contract. We'll see what he looks like, with the, what the arm comes back like. But. You know, I would say that if Mason gets him to the playoffs or near the playoffs, that between him and Ben, I think they're in good shape.
1: Yeah, and it's pretty wild to think that Big Ben went down and the Steelers are not going to be looking for a quarterback. And when you look at their franchise, they go from Bill Cower to Mike Tomlin. Now maybe they're going to go from Big Ben to, uh, to Rudolph with really not much of a search. But Baldy, as we know each week, when you're looking for an employer... Hiring can be a slow process. We know that. The Prevent defense listeners, they know hiring can be a slow process. Cafe Altura's COO, Dylan Miskowitz also knew this and he needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. So what did he do? He switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. So he used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so that he could focus on the most relevant ones. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder that four to five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. You can see why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. And you can try ZipRecruiter for free at our website, ZipRecruiter.com enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com enter. ZipRecruiter, as always, the smartest way to hire. Baldy, I'm here in Philadelphia. The Patriots are coming to town. Everybody's talking about Super Bowl 52, But what I want to talk to you about is how are the Eagles going to get back to that Super Bowl? Like, is this a playoff type team? Cause I sit here and doesn't look like Alshon's going to play on Sunday. Deshaun Jackson's basically out for the year. Maybe he comes back in the playoffs, but he's definitely out the rest of the regular season. You look at the Eagles and I think it's easy to say like, maybe this just isn't their year, but I think Carson Wentz should be expected to lead this team to the playoffs. I think that you gave him that money, right? You gave him the franchise quarterback deal. He's in his fourth year. You go up, you drafted him at number two overall for moments like this. Seven games left, four of them at home, four of them are very easy games. Like, this is where you go if you're Carson and you make a name for yourself. If Carson takes his team to the playoffs, I think it'll be more impressive than what he did in 2017 because it'll be showing, okay, I'm the franchise guy. I think Carson should be expected to elevate his game and get the Eagles to the playoffs. Where do you fall on that?
2: Well, I agree. I agree. I mean, I think... They can be a playoff team. in mean, the way they're running the football right now, it's a great matchup against the Patriots. I saw Nick Chubb, you know, rip them apart for 130 yards in week eight. Um, they ran right at him. I mean, they ran the, the Patriots out of their preferred defense. Uh, I would expect the Patriots to play a three-man defensive front, maybe a four-man defensive front, trying to combat the power uh, that the Eagles are playing with. I mean, Brandon Brooks is playing at the highest level of any guard in this league right now. And who would have thought that eight months after Terrence Achilles, Against the Saints that anybody could do that, much less a 340-pound man. Lane Johnson is back to being the Pro Bowl self. Dallas Goddard is as good a blocking tight end outside of maybe George Kittle as there is in the league. I mean, they've got pieces up front. They've got a good one-two combination. It's up to Carson to make that running game pay off. And, look, you've got a Pro Bowl tight end. You've got another good tight end. You've got Alshon Jeffrey healthy. I mean, you don't need five weapons. You need a place to go with the ball in the red zone. You need a place to go on third down. You need to be a threat when things collapse around you to extend plays and take off with it. Like, you've got all – Deshaun would be a luxury. It would be great to have a deep threat. But you don't. So what? I mean, I saw the Patriots adjust year to year to year when they mm-hmm. lose players. So if you want to be thought of as the franchise quarterback and earn the money of a franchise quarterback, then you just adjust. And you make stick throws when you have to. And you recognize the situation, the down, the part of the game. I mean, you play quarterback. And that's what great quarterbacks are supposed to do. And that's what I expect Carson to do. And if he doesn't, then any sort of criticism or derision or all that stuff, he he goes underneath the microscope like all quarterbacks do. Yep.
1: I, I, I 100% agree. I really think... The Eagles season is going to come down to how special Carson can be. I've seen Doug coach in big games and win, right? Like, I don't think Doug—Doug, to me, is not a question. The the game plan will be good. Like, Doug is fine there. This is going to come down to four or five times a game if Carson can turn nothing into something and if he can turn a third and seven into a first down. And the good news for the Eagles is that's kind of where Carson has been at his best. Like, Carson has been at his best— when the Eagles need him to make a play out on the run and he turns a third down into a first down. Where Carson has struggled is with consistency. And that would be my concern with the seven games. Is like, I think there's a chance they win on on Sunday. And of course, I want to get your opinions on that because I know you've said you think they match up pretty well. But I think there's a chance they win on Sunday. But do I count, do I trust Carson to lead them to wins in three straight games against the Giants, Washington, and Miami? Like, I should. Those three teams are not very good. But Carson has struggled to string together wins. So I think these next seven games, you mentioned if they don't make it to playoffs, if they don't make the playoffs at the end of the year, we'll be talking about this team and where they're at. And Carson should be at the front and center. Like if they play 16 games and they don't make the playoffs, that's a red flag for Carson. It just is. Like I don't care that Deshaun Jackson was gone. If you're a really good quarterback and you're paid like one and you're, I mean, before the year, Carson had MVP talk. For him to be considered an MVP candidate and then not make the playoffs, like, that's a disaster. And so I think we're really going to have to look at Carson in a different way. I want to get your opinion on this Eagles-Patriots game. So coming up, Baldy and I are going to preview Sunday's biggest game. You're listening to the Prevent Defense Podcast.
0: Hey everyone, Cody Decker from Swings and Misses, the Radio.com Sports Original, here to talk to you about HIMS. You know, I've been taking HIMS now for a couple of months now. My hair has been growing back thicker, fuller than it has been in years. Baseball did everything it could to try and take my hairline away, and now, thanks to HIMS, I'm getting it back. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35, and me being 32, it was time to get forhymns.com. They are your one-stop shop for hair loss, skincare, and sexual wellness for men. This Black Friday, secure the best deal of all, a healthier, thicker hairline. This Thanksgiving, when your relatives say, healthy and full they're finally talking about your hair and not the turkey no more awkward in-person doctor visits or long pharmacy lines for him's connection with real doctors online which could save you hours it's completely confidential and discreet answer a few quick questions online and a doctor will review and they'll determine whether or not hymns is right for you order now and our listeners can get started with a hymns complete hair kit for just five dollars today right now while supplies last and subject to doctor's approval see full website for details and safety information and that website forhimscom swings Prevent Defense, the podcast.
1: All right, welcome back. Of course, we had another week in the NFL here, and I think the best game of the week, and I'll be lucky enough to be there, Patriot at, e- at Eagles, as I mentioned, the Super Bowl 52 preview. For some odd reason, this feels like a win to me, Baldy. I don't, I don't know why. Like, I don't think the Eagles have enough weapons. It does not look like Alshon is going to play. So without Alshon Jeffrey, you're talking about a receiving core. Jordan Matthews, Nelson Aguilar, Matt Collins, and JJ Arcega Whiteside. And of course, they'll target Zach Gertz, But as we all know, and Doug Peterson talked about this week, Bill Belichick is known for taking away the team's best offense and our option. And that is Zach Ertz. So you're going to need Dallas Goddard to step up. And I'm wary of the fact that the Patriots are not only coming off of a bye, they're coming off of a loss, their first loss of the season in embarrassing fashion on uh, prime time. You think this Eagles match up well. Why do you think that?
2: Well, I think their offensive line is playing at a really good level right now. I would put them in the top five offensive lines in football. Um, So I think that's part of it. They're running the ball really well. I think they have a good one-two punch in Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders, and I think they will continue to try to run it, you know, in that 30 to 40-time range as long as they can keep the score, uh, keep it within a score. Um, So I I think they they can control the line of scrimmage. I think that, you know, as long as you run it, it lessens – the opportunities for bad plays from the Eagles, and we've seen them. Uh, we've seen that happen. So turnovers are going to be critical, just like they were in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, when Brandon Graham got the ball out of Tom Brady's hands for the only turnover of the game. Uh, so they'll be critical. Um, I'm not impressed by the Patriots' offense. Um, you know, they're going to throw to Julian Edelman and James White. and We know who they're going to throw to. Uh, you know, Tom Brady has seen everything. I think a big part of this game comes down to Jim Schwartz. And just being unpredictable to Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Jim Schwartz can be very, very predictable. And when he does all-out blitz, they don't disguise it very well. And they've gotten burned. Sometimes you get the bull. Sometimes the bull gets you. But more often times than not this year, they've gotten the bull. I think Fletcher Cox, I don't know what's happened to him. But in the last two games, he's played better than I've ever seen him play.
1: And yep, Brandon Graham was right
2: better. next to him. I've never, seen, I've never seen Fletcher play at this level. <clears throat> so... I mean, this is not a good offensive line. I mean, if I was an Eagle defensive end, Josh Sweat, if I was, uh, you know, Derek Barnett, I'd be I'd be fighting to line up over Marshall Newhouse. I mean, we're talking about a tackle that's been to eight teams in this league that is a backup at best, yet he's their left tackle. In the center, I expect Fletcher Cox to, like, line up on him in every single pass play and just do what he wants to do with him because he, he's not going to be able to stop him. So I, for all those reasons I like and I think the Eagles especially a guy like Miles Sanders like this could be a screen game kind of game like let Miles Sanders go in space and catch eight screens in this game I mean I could see them against those linebackers he's he's an elite I think he's an elite ball carrier in space with the ball in his hands however you get that we saw it against Buffalo on first play of the third quarter rip one for 65 yards I mean the guy's got great speed and balance like yep. Let this be his coming out party. I mean, they throw to James White 14 times in a Super Bowl game. I mean, why can't you throw to Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders in the absence of, you know, your uh, Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson? you got to find another way to move it in the air.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think this is a big game for Miles Sanders, and it's a big game for Howie Roseman's draft picks because Dallas Goddard needs a big game. Avante Maddox against Julian Edelman will presumably be the matchup there with a nickel slot. Uh, you know, Miles Sanders, you just mentioned JJ arcega Sega is going to play a lot more than he normally does with Alshon probably out. So I'm picking the Patriots in this one. I think the Eagles have a shot, but I can't pick Carson Wentz right now to beat Tom Brady in a game. I know they're not matching up against each other, but man, that Patriots defense is so good. And I just don't think the Patriots are going to lose two games in a row. Uh, real quick before we get to the next one, who are you picking in this one?
2: I'm taking the Eagles in this game. I mean, I, 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 right. I, I know that they're shorthanded. Um, but I, I think this is their this is basically their their watershed game. This is their Waterloo. I mean, if they don't win this game, I don't believe they'll make the playoffs. But I believe wow. that in the NFC right now, they can still come from the back of the pack and they can still get there. And this is the game that they need. You know what locker rooms are like, Elliot. You're in there. You know what it's like when you've beaten a great opponent. And they need they beat the Packers. All right, Buffalo is a good record, but they're not a great opponent. This is the team they need to beat. I know Seattle's in town next week. This is the team they need to beat in order for them to look in the mirror and see each other in the locker room and go, it's our time. It's our time to, you know, make this run in the NFC. It's never too late.
1: Yeah, I agree, especially coming off a bye week. Like, and I know losing to Sean Jackson hurts, but I think if they can win this game without Deshaun and win it with a game plan on offense, if they can – duplicate for the rest of the season, I think they'll feel really good about themselves. And they should. I just don't think they're going to get it done. All right. Jaguars at Colts. Nick Foles is back. Uh, you know, good. Obviously, a ton of uh, uh, playoff implications with this one. The Jaguars come in at 4-5. and five. The Colts are at 5-4. and four, So they can tie him here with a win. What do you expect from Nick Foles in his first game back? And what are you looking
2: for in this game? I expect him to be rusty. I, I just do. I mean, you, you play a little bit in preseason. And you play the first quarter of the first game against Kansas City, and you're out. Like, I expect him, because the the game, I mean, I know he's got all kinds of experience, his football experience and all that, but still the game is going to move fast, really fast. And this is a divisional game, and the Colts were miserable against the Dolphins. Like I just think it's, it's going to be tough. He's going to go up against a good defense that does a lot, and they move fast. They do a lot on that side of the ball. I think it's going to be tough for him. Yeah,
1: look, I think Nick Foles coming back is going to show some rust. Obviously, the one positive is Nick Foles is used to this situation. Like he he's used to coming in at the end of the regular season and playing. Now I know it's different now because he had an injury. He's not practicing each week, and those are certainly different factors. But he's used to coming in and saying, "All right, let's go. It's time to it's time to make a playoff push." Um, I think he'll. I think they'll win the game. Honestly, like I think the Jaguars are going to win this game. I think having Foles back will help them. Uh, all right, the game you're going to be at saints at Tampa saints coming off of a shocking defeat. I mean, I watched that full game. They were just absolutely dominated by that Falcons team. And I think maybe we underestimated, or at least I know I did how much these players in Atlanta are playing for Dan Quinn's job. Like there was a story about Julio Jones stepping up and saying, we have to do this for Dan and, and all that stuff. Um, but going to Tampa, I think it's, it's, it is a surprisingly tough matchup for the saints. I mean, the, the, Tampa Bay has some obviously some weapons on offense, and Jameis Winston can be hit or miss, but when he's on, it's a tough spot. So wh- I know you're going to be down there uh, in lovely Tampa. What wh- what do you think of this game?
2: Well, I think it's going to be a good game. I really do. I mean, this is a division opponent. Um, when I watched the when I watched the New Orleans Saints last week, uh, the Falcons played their best game. They didn't break down the back end at all. And usually – when they break down, whether it's Deshaun Watson or, I mean, they just picked him apart. And that never happened. Maybe Raheem Morris going to that side of the ball really helped the Falcons last week. And for the first time since the Eagles win uh, by the Falcons on that Sunday night game, they had a good pass rush, like a really spirited, uh, energetic pass rush from everybody, from Vic Beasley and Adrian Claymore and, and Tack McKinley. They're all really good. And so that's the formula. They played great coverage and they married it with good rush. Now, Tampa can give you a good rush. They're very good at stopping the run. They're the best in the league at it. Uh, Vita Vea is a budding halodinata in this business right now. He's a dominant, dominant player. And him and Dominic Kinsu are really good. And Devin White is a good player. Their secondary is atrocious. Now, they, they cut Vernon Hargraves for just lack of effort in that game last week against Arizona. And I think Bruce Arians was correct in cutting him. But the problem is they, they really don't – I don't know if they have enough healthy bodies to actually man the position. There's nobody – there's no person and there's no coverage that can stop Michael Thomas from catching the ball. Like there's he's, – he's just an elite player and Drew Brees can throw to him every single play basically. And I think you'll see if you're in the fantasy football between Mike Evans without Marshawn Lattimore trying to defend him and Chris Godwin and, you know, Michael Thomas, I mean, you might see record-setting numbers by these wide receivers on Sunday. The one thing I don't like about this game is, I'm sorry, I want to like Jameis Winston. I saw him throw. He just, he leads the league in interceptions. And I saw him throw a pass last week that was intercepted. But it's just the worst throw. It's, he's he's trying to be Patrick Mahomes, throwing across his body into the middle of the field. And Mm -hmm. it's just up for grabs. And it's just, It's on first down. You can throw the ball away and go to second down. And he still does it. And, like, I just don't think you're going to be able to take the bad plays out of his game. As good as he can look at times, he was a great two-minute drill last week. I think he's good in an up-tempo offense. He's got great receivers. I just don't trust him with the ball in his hands for four quarters in any game right now.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, you mentioned how with Lamar Jackson, you've just kind of accepted it's who he is. And fortunately with Lamar, it's good things. With Jameis, I think it's time to accept who he is too. And you put it perfectly. Like, he can be good, but he's never not going to make those throws. Just not who he's, it's just not who he is. He's always going to do it. So we talked on the last pod about where Cam Newton could end up. Maybe that's a potential spot for him next year. If uh, he is indeed move on from Carolina, he can stay in that same division. But, all right, Baldy, obviously lots of different topics today. Enjoyed breaking down each one of them with you. We will see what happens in this week's games. Lots of playoff implications, which is always exciting when we're talking about the NFL. So, thanks again to everybody for listening. Once again, you can listen to us on all your favorite podcast apps, Spotify, iTunes, all those good stuff. Shoot us some questions in the reviews, and we'll make sure to answer them. Baldy, I will catch you next week.
2: Good stuff, Elliot. Enjoy the game Sunday in South Philadelphia. It's going to be a good one.